Introducing a new tool for Serve Day, the Serve Day app. Download today to register or find a project near you. Good morning. How are you today? Good to see you. If you're joining us online, welcome uh, to our service. We're glad that you chose us. We're certainly uh, uh, all one body wherever you are at. We're glad that you're joining us today. Well, we are doing a just, we're not we're in between series. We're just going to do a message on the importance of serving. Obviously, Serve Day is coming up, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the value of that. My, one of my earliest memories of, of benefiting from serving with, no, with nothing else given back to me is when I was eight years old. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. In Arizona, uh, if you don't know, it can get hot, especially in the summers, just scorching hot. So I, I was at eight years old. I was uh, uh, in summer break. And I was uh, playing in our backyard, and, and where we were at, we had a bunch of alleyways, dirt alleyways and back. And, and once a week, the, the garbage man, the garbage truck would come by. And uh, back in those days, it wasn't all automated. You had four guys hanging onto the truck. They would jump off every few houses and then get people's hot metal trash cans. They'd have two, three, four of them and dump it in. And I remember looking, thinking, and these guys look super tired, you know. And in my mind, I'm not thinking, oh, well, they're getting paid for their job, you know. I'm just thinking, these guys look really tired and, and super thirsty. So I decided, I didn't get permission or anything. I decided I'm going to, for the summer, every, day, every Tuesday, you know, when they come by, I kind of knew the time, I'm going to give them a pitcher of ice water. So I'd get it filled with ice pour in a bunch of water and they'd get some cups and I'd wait I'd be waiting because I didn't know exactly when they'd come and I'd just wait wait when they'd come you know I'd serve him and back in those days people didn't poison stuff so you know I mean they trusted me you know you know and so I'd give them water and they man they were so thankful they you could see them from a long distance they'd get a big grin on their face and towards the end of the summer my mom saw what I was doing she goes what are you doing oh yeah I'm just you know, doing this for the, for the garbage guys. They look thirsty. She goes, oh, okay. And, but it was one of my favorite summers. Just learning. There's value in serving. Nothing, and you get nothing in return. I just saw a need, and I filled it. That's what Serve Day is about. That's why we like to serve. That's why Jesus calls us to serve. Now, I want to tell you about, in a sea of selfishness, Two individuals that gave their lives to service. Two individuals, one male, one female. In fact, what I want to do is just make this a quiz. Okay, so as I read it, if you, when you, if and when you know who it is, just, you don't have to yell it out, but just to the person next to you, you can just whisper, this is who I think it is. So 
Let's look at that. He was born the son of a Lutheran pastor in 1875. He became an acclaimed organist and worldwide authority on Bach by the time he was 30. Later, he earned doctorates in theology and philosophy. In 1905, he enrolled in medical school so that upon receiving his degree, he would no longer have to, quote, merely talk about the religion of love, but put it into practice with his own hands. In 1913, he and his wife moved to French Equatorial Africa, which is now Gabon, to build a treatment center for under-resourced Africans. He stayed there the rest of his life. He was an award uh, he, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. He died at 90 years of age in 1965. Who do you think that is? That's Albert Schweitzer. Albert Schweitzer, medical doctor. Here's another one. She was born the youngest of three children in former Yugoslavia in 1910. She joined a youth group, and by age 17, she knew that she wanted to, her life to be God-guided. She became a high school geography teacher and was promoted to high school principal in 1944. But her career there was ended because she contracted tuberculosis. In 1948, she started an unofficial school for young children in the slums, and she combined teaching and medical care to nurse them toward health. In 1950, she rented a house with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets could be transported there and die with dignity. She was one of the earliest pioneers of treating people with AIDS before the disease even had a name. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She died a household name in 1997. Who do you think that is? Mother Teresa. Mother. So incredible people that gave their lives to serving, just serving. Gave up a lot, received very little, at least from the world's perspective, and they made it their daily job description. I want to make a difference by serving. And because of that, they motivated thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people to up their game and make a difference by serving, by serving. Now, that is not a, a... a value of the world. In the, in the world, you make a difference by attaining a lot of wealth, by uh, having a lot of fame, you know, by, by amassing an army and, and invading a country or all kinds of things that the, that's the world's way of trying to make a, you know, to make a, uh, an impact, make a difference. But God says, no, you can give your best energies to that. To more, more, more. YOLOing, it's all about me. And he says that it will cause us to lose our way. In fact, there's a lot of people that have good intentions. There's a lot of believers. They know what the Bible says about serving and making that a priority. And we also can lose our way. Because there's such an allure with amassing a lot of wealth and, and having a, you know, power and people that are you know, subjects and employees and all kinds of things. It can get kind of confusing. But the Bible is very clear, and that's why we go back to the Bible as our source. Hey, this is what we believe. I want you to especially emphasize that those who believe in God will be careful to devote, devote themselves to doing good works. So not just something in passing, not from time to time. 
It's a central part of what we do as Christ followers. He says, doing good works. It is always beautiful and profitable for believers to do good works. Always profitable, always beautiful. <clears throat> True confession about me. And I'm not proud of this. So I just got to let you know, because you're going to, why in the world are you saying that? Well, it's a confession. And, you know, so sometimes at the end of a day, my, pillow, my head will hit the pillow. And I will feel good about myself, magnanimous, just because I didn't curse out a, somebody who offended me or was rude to me. Because I was this close. And I'm thinking, that was a near miss. Woo! Somebody who sins against me in traffic. And I'm thinking, this is the time to, you know, take up the Second Amendment. You know, I mean, look what they did. And I'm just thanking God for not doing something bad. Listen, that's not the standard. We have something higher that we're shooting to attain. And that's to actually serve people, to actually go out of our way and say, hey, I want to make a difference by positive, not just what I, what I restrain myself from, but positive stuff. So if you would, open your, your Bibles to John 13. You're going, Andy, I don't know if I have my Bible. We'll bring it next week. This is my study Bible. And uh, so we're going to be uh, actually using the paper Bible. You're going, what's that? Well, it's made of paper. There's some value in it. We'll talk about that more next week, but you'll want to bring it with you. If you have it with you today, go to John 13, and there we're going to see uh, this incredible story uh, that Jesus demonstrates the value of service. Well, there was a dinner party with Jesus and his 12 disciples, and in those days when they would have a dinner party, there was a custom where they would, somebody would wash everybody's feet. And the reason is because in that day, in the New Testament day, people walked around with uh, sandals, open toes, uh, dirt roads. And so throughout the day, uh, they would, their, their feet would get filthy and sweaty and caked up with mud. And, and so uh, instead of sitting around for three hours at a dinner party with your feet all smelly and dirty, uh, they would have an hourly worker, some kind of servant come, and he would get on his knees, and he would actually uh, take, help take off the person's sandals, take out a water basin, and, uh, and then they would just pour water over their feet and actually scrub their feet down so that their feet were, were clean. But nobody would like to do that job. That was a menial job. But it was a custom that they would do so that you were comfortable. Also in that day, they didn't have tables like this, like the tables we eat at. We always want a table. They would actually eat reclining. They had tables, but they were very low, and everybody would recline. And so you would have people's feet in your face for three hours. Another good reason to have some clean feet, right? So, well, in this dinner party that we read about in, 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 in John, it, it, you see that... Uh, that nobody, we don't know if it's an administrative oversight or what, but nobody had washed anybody's feet. And so there's this kind of, as you, as you, wa as you read the text, it kind of breathes of this tension. Like, who's going to wash the feet? Nobody wanted to do it. Last Christmas, we had uh, 
uh, uh, we had a couple of parties, but one party we had a lot of people in our house and in our kitchen and kind of our area. It's not that big, and we had, we, I think we over-invited. And so uh, it was kind of like one of those things, how many people can you get stuff into a VW bug or something? They're just, they're packed. And um, somebody is, uh, was telling a story, and they're using their arms, and they accidentally knocked the person next behind them. They didn't notice them, and they knocked Christmas cheer all over the, you know, all over the floor. And for a moment, it was just like, there's, like who's going to clean it up? Well, the person, you know, who, who was holding the, the drink, he was thinking, well, you know, he should clean it up, right? He's the one who knocked it out of my, I mean, it was all kind of, nobody said anything, but you, they're all looking around. And the, and the guy who, you know, was thinking, hey, I didn't do anything. Where's the host? And, and so, you know, it didn't take long until, you know, Sharon went up and cleaned it. <laughs> and, you know, broke the tension. But we've all had that experience, right? When there's some tension in the room and, you know, well, this is what's going on. They're all looking around. Who's going to do it? And it doesn't say it in the text, but and I'm, I, I can only imagine Peter's thinking, I'm Peter, you know, I'm... Peter doesn't do those things, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm up the chain of, of uh, here. And then, you know, another guy's thinking, hey, I was the first one asked in the disciples. You know, he came to me first. You guys all came after. I've seniority. I mean, but nobody. Anyways, here you read. It's quite interesting. As we go into it, it begins with the evening meal was in progress. In other words, nobody did anything. They all said, well, let's just serve the food then. Because I am not doing it. And so I don't, I, I'll just, you know, eat my food with this guy's stinky feet in my face because nobody wants to do it. And so Jesus gets up from a reclined position and, uh, and then starts to wash their feet. Actually, what he did was he took out his, what they would do back then is they would take off their outer garment. I have a little towel for my demonstration purposes. Then they would, take, they would take a towel and wrap it around because they're going to then, when they, when they clean their feet, they actually wipe it on themselves. The dirt is actually on, on the towel, which is the person's wearing. I think that was a tense moment. I don't think it was just pass the bread. Thanks, Jesus. Somebody had to do it, you know. No, I think it was a tense moment like as he goes up to each person. Jesus is washing their feet because they were too proud to do it. And he cleans, Jesus cleans all their mud, all their filth. Look at what it says here. It says, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He goes, I didn't have to do this. I did it. I'm not above this, even though he's the second, you know, he's, he's God. He's the second part of the Trinity, and yet he was willing to get and serve. He goes, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. For Sharon and I, this is a core part of 
of, uh, of our lives and our marriage. In fact, I've, I've done many, many weddings over the years, as most of our pastors have. And the scripture verse we had read at our wedding, I've never seen anybody ever ask for it. It was the passage we just read. It doesn't sound real flowery and lovey, but to us, that's what makes a good marriage. A good marriage is when people enter into that relationship saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here, not what I get out of it. I'm here to serve. And so we wanted that as a bedrock. We wanted that taught at our wedding. And we believe that, that it really comes down to, as a Christ follower, it's serving others. In fact, it's, a, it's the way we get God's blessing. You see, recipients of God's blessing are called to acts of kindness and servanthood, unapologetically, with no ambiguity. Jesus says it's a distinctive characteristic of my followers that they pick up the towel and serve. I mean, metaphorically, right? It's not always, we don't really do that in this day and age, but we certainly have opportunities all the time to serve. Or we also have the times to say, hey, I'm, I'm unwilling. I'm above that. I don't want to do that. I'm not, and we all fall for I mean, none of, we're all human. We all. That servant's towel in that, move, in that moment. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's why, that's why it's serve day. It's an opportunity where collectively we kind of all get on the same page. Serving has value. And we want to serve our community. We want to be known as a church that serves our community. We want to be known as people that are not above that. Serving people, if you want to receive, if you want to receive God's blessing, you serve people in practical ways. You see, it's one thing to know that you're supposed to serve, that you were even called by God to serve. It's another thing to do it. And there's all kinds of things that we know. Yeah, I should do that. I should do that. But at some point, you've got to get up from the evening meal and put the towel on and start to serve. Instead of just looking around. Well, it's not my job. I've, I've served enough. I'm on, I'm on break. I'm on sabbatical from serving. That, you're up, buddy. No. Here's, what the, here's really the lesson of it. Towel bearers, those who live for something greater by serving people in practical ways without anything in return. That's key. Okay, because every job you're serving somebody. Because sometimes we, we, all, we can always find ways to make excuses. When my kids were little and I was encouraging them to think about careers, they'd say, well, every job you serve somebody. That's what jobs are. You're serving somebody's needs. But we get paid. So this is serving because you're doing it for the Lord. You're not getting, it's not I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Practical ways without anything in return will become the recipients of God's sovereign blessing and favor. How do we get God's sovereign blessing and favor? Through serving. Now, Mike, let me ask you, do you really believe that? Because our actions ultimately show that. The world, the culture around us says that is not God's blessing. God's blessing is when you pursue the American dream. The more you accumulate, the more things you have, the higher, the more prestige, the higher, the, you know, the higher uh, uh, up the ladder you go, the more stuff you own, people will gawk. That's, wow, look at, you must be blessed. Oh, yeah, I'm blessed. 
Well, I'm not saying that's not a blessing, but if you want God's favor, God's blessing, that is not pursuing the American dream. That's pursuing God's blessed way of living life. That's what Jesus taught. And he also, you've, recipients of God's blessings, are they find soul satisfaction in serving others and not necessarily... Oops. I think that's a mistake. Let's get that changed for next week, for next service. That's, that was a, tr- a test to see if you're awake. <laughs> well, the, the truth is that plenty of us think it's about serving ourselves. You know, the wisest guy who ever lived, the smartest guy who ever lived, Solomon, other than Jesus. Solomon, he wrote Proverbs and... Uh, God just gave him just this incredible wisdom. But you know, at one point in his life, he took a swan dive into just self-seeking, just a full-on binge. He said, you know what? I'm taking the towel off. I don't want to do it anymore. And so he's, he, and he has, he's the king, and so he has all these resources. Here's, here's the things he did, he, a lesson from Solomon. So I decided to build houses for myself, not just a house. I need lots of houses. And after that, I planted vineyards for myself, not just a vineyard, lots of vineyards. He probably had bottles with his photo, you know, well, I didn't have photos, his drawing of his face, you know, Solomon's Sauvignon, you know, that type of thing. I constructed gardens and parks and planted trees in them for myself. How many people need, I mean, we need some botanical gardens of our own, right, that we, that we have. And, and, and then I bought slaves and huge herds of livestock to impress all my friends. Then I decided to amass silver and gold for myself. You'd think that'd be enough, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, he's, he's, he's gaining, right? Trying to find satisfaction. No, that's not enough. And the treasure of the kings in the provinces. I acquired men and women singers. Most of us just have a nice, awesome playlist from, from, you, know, from you know, YouTube or whatever. You know, I want the band. I want several bands. I don't want just to go to the orchestra. I want to buy the orchestra. I, don't, I'm, I want the whole, the whole enchilada. And a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. Not sure how to comment on that without getting into trouble. All I know is that sounds expensive. (laughs) I decided to deny myself nothing that my eyes desired. So he had this full-on hedonistic buying binge, hoping that it would satisfy something. My friends, that's the all-American dream. I mean, he won the lottery. He could buy everything he could possibly want. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Vanity. What's what's meaninglessness about life? When you make that your pursuit. That by itself is not wrong. That as a pursuit becomes a meaningless life. He goes, I'd done all that, and it, 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 to achieve it, it was meaningless. It was all like chasing the wind. Nothing was really gained under the sun. So you don't want to get to the end of your life looking back. 
saying, I missed it. I, 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 I kept looking for soul satisfaction, a meaningful life, and I bought into the all-American dream that, I, that promises me that. And you realize it didn't deliver. You see, you have a bucket, an empty bucket in your, in your heart, in your soul, that can only be filled with, with God's fulfillment plan. And you need to decide up front, I want to go that direction. Here's what I've discovered over almost 40 years of ministry. Nobody drifts into towel-bearing service. That's not, we drift away from that. We drift towards what the all-American dream is and collecting more and amassing more. That's the gravitational pull. You have to make a conscious, prayerful decision to say, I am willing to be a towel bearer, to serve others. And then watch what God does. I better put my jacket on. You don't want to, I'm not, not worth looking at, you know. All right. Three questions about voluntary acts of kindness. Why should we do good deeds? Why live beyond ourselves? Why break ranks from everybody else around us? When everybody else's chief goal is good times, not good deeds. Well, that's, you have to decide up front, I'm going to choose a different pathway. Here's the answer to that. Because it's what you are called to do. If you're a Christ follower, in fact, God had a plan for you before you were even born. A purpose. What is that? Well, look, it says, for we are God's workmanship. We were created. You're created. You're not an accident. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's what you were created for. Sometimes we lose track of that. And then we find ourselves in all kinds of, of emotional and mental problems then we can't get, shake those mental problems. So we go and get medicated. And, 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 and we, so, you know, it's an epidemic, the depression and the anxiety. I'm not saying it's all from that, but I am telling you a lot of it is because people don't realize they were created to serve. And when we try to go and do our own way of living, create our own rules, there's a bag of stuff that comes with that. And so God says, hey, just realign yourself. You don't have to feel bad. That's, that's why we come together and we look at God's word. We realign ourselves. We kind of get out of focus and we come back into focus. Okay, I got it again. Thank you. Thank you, God. Now I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. You know, God is highly committed, highly committed to do good works for you from the very beginning. I mean, when he created the planet, it could have been like a drab, you know, black and white little box, put a person there. He creates a beautiful, creates a beautiful world. Oceans and mountains and beautiful trees and flowers, all kinds of stuff. He loves to bless us. He loves to bless you. And so when we veered off and got off on our own way, he 
came and brought Jesus Christ as, and, and sacrificed his life on the cross, he knew we had a, a, a problem where we were far from God. And he goes, I'm going to give my very, very best. He could have come up with all kinds of plans. He comes up with his very best. Jesus Christ is going to go live among them, point the direction in life, then ultimately die for everybody's sin. When you put your faith in Christ, you free of charge, free of charge. Nothing we do changes anything what God did. When we put our faith in Christ, he just gives us dump truck loads of blessing. Say, this is how I want to bless you. I want to be good to you. And so you are a workmanship. You're a masterpiece, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's what Mother Teresa said. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Albert Schweitzer said, keep your eyes open for the little tasks because it's the little kind tasks that are important to Jesus Christ. That's good news because so often we're looking for something big, you know, something huge. That's how I'll make a difference. No, actually, we make a difference by picking up a towel and washing somebody's grimy feet. That's how we make a difference. Number two, where should I be doing good deeds? Well, I have a simple way, an easy thing that's served up for you, real easy to get involved, and that's serve day. Here's some pictures from last year, some people serving the medical professional, some people going out helping in yard keeping, serve day. There's an app that we encourage you to download. There's all kinds of serve opportunities. If you don't have the app or you're not sure how to do that, you can go to the info desk. We'll help you to figure that out. If you're just not sure, just show up here this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. It's only two, three hours. Something small but inconvenient. I mean, it's, it, you could do something else at that time. You're going, that's my golf day. I don't know. Well, I'm asking you to give up your golf day, or at least three hours of it, which is about a golf day. And you come and you serve. Easy. Here's an easy way, but, you know, it's more than that. It's not just one day. It's really... Wherever you are, if you have that mindset, you will look for opportunities where you can serve. I can be part of it. I can make a difference. And then number three, how do you do these good works? Well, like, like all of life, if you try to do it out of your own willpower, your own effort, it's not going to go too well. Because human love dries up. Human forgiveness wears out. We get tired of just serving and serving, and we start to feel taken advantage of. So if you're doing it out of your own effort, your own willpower, it's not going to go very well. So the key is letting God direct you. Letting the Holy Spirit guide you. Looking, because you can't do everything, but you can do something. And God, how can I serve how can I go above and beyond? How can I go the extra mile? How Even something so small. When we first started Serve Day, I think it was three or four years ago, uh, it rained real bad. And so a lot of the outdoor projects, we had to change those. And, and, uh, and then I'm there with some people, and we're like helping people, you know, at the grocery store get to their car. 
with we have umbrellas. and we, I mean, we completely changed it. I think that blessed God every bit as much as if we had done the project we were planning on doing. Because we, there's always a place to serve somebody, and we're ultimately doing it for the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. And so my challenge for you is step away from what the world has constantly trying to get us to do. Go for all of the, the, the trappings. That, and they promise, this is where you'll find fulfillment. This is where you'll find meaning in life. That is empty. Jesus said it. Solomon discovered it. Let's benefit from them and say, you know what? From this day forward, with God's presence, with his power and his wind in my sails, I'm going to learn to take the towel and be more of a servant. Let's bow our heads and pray. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now, right here. We can't do this Christian thing on our own. Ain't going to happen. We need your help. And we get tested. There always will be a test after we make a commitment. That's why we make a commitment solemnly, depending on your presence, your power to see us through. Some of you are ready to take up a towel-bearing lifestyle. Living for other people, serving them, doing it for the Lord. As I said, nobody drifts into towel-bearing living. We drift into selfishness, self-absorption. But listen, your destiny, your purpose to be a servant. I'm going to invite you with every head bowed, every eye closed, because this is just between you and God. I'm going to invite you to declare that to the Lord. And if, if you're saying, Andy, that's what I want. I want to start living with a servant mindset. I am willing to take up the towel and serve with God's help. And if that's you, just privately, I just want you to just raise your hand to God. Say, God, that's me. If that's you, say, I want to be a towel. I want to, I want to serve others. Yeah. You can put your, your, your arm down. You know, it's decision times like this that change the course of our life. We change it from a life of self-obsession to a life of towel-bearing, taking up the towel, and then learning and discovering that God is with us. God wants to show his favor on your life. You know, Jesus did die for you. He did make a pathway. I encourage you to, to make that a reality in your life. If you've never asked Christ into your life, this is your moment right now to say yes to Christ. Say, I'm ready to, to start following Christ. Maybe this is all new to you. You're going, wow, I, I never really saw it that way before. 
Well, it begins by just putting one step in front of the other. And your next step is saying yes to Christ. Say, yeah, God, I want you in my life. And if that's you, I want you to just to pray this prayer with me right where you're at. Say, dear God, I want to follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me to learn the joy of serving, to grow in that. Forgive me for trying to do things my own way. Thank you that you you give us second chances. I accept that. I receive that second chance. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.